0: I'm uh, Kusho Lakani, um, also known as Kush, and I run a company called Kitu Kali. Kitu Kali means hot stuff in Swahili, and um, we're a footwear brand based in Kenya, handmade footwear brand. This this, this is, this is diverse, 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 diverse diverse Diversified Game
1: Game. game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kellen. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I want you guys who have just got out of the smoke, who are thinking about four twenty. Um, to get out your, get your mind out of the clouds. I have Kush. Yes, you know, we're going to break down the nickname, so we'll make it easy. But we have Kush uh, today from Kuchukali and his footwear company. My gosh, he's originally from Nairobi. Don't let, you know, he, he looks like he's Indian. He is. Why? Because there's Indians in Kenya all over the world. There's over a billion people. They spread out, right? And um, he is going to give us the game on how he came up with this African footwear, not just to do it, because for those of you who don't know, Africans have been wearing shoes, but he's taking African fabric and taking it worldwide. So, Kush, welcome to the show. How you doing, brother?
0: Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, good. Good to be on the show. Um, uh, we should have done this on the 20th, you know, would have been a bit more... Interesting with, with my name, but, yeah. You know, hey. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. For those middle schoolers and high schoolers who still get a kick out of 420, it would, you know, they still they're coming down off their, their high, whenever this
0: airs. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I want to know, because when I saw your, you know, and it was Elvis, um, who will edit this interview, who I believe you know, and, and he knows of your company, when he showed us this, I was like, whoa, this is what I'm talking about. African wear at a high level going global. So you being from Nairobi, I know you've also lived in the UK and you're back home. How did this idea just spark? How did you put it together?
0: Yeah, so um, let's take it back three years ago. We've been we've been uh, in the market for three years. I, uh, I had two partners at the time, two co-founders. Um, and they're also from Kenya, and one of them was on holiday in Kenya, just visiting family and friends, um, went went to a mall or something and saw a little small advert saying, we sell unique shoes, call this number. And uh, he called the number, and, and he was taken to a, a shop, a small little shop somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and there was a table in that shop, and across the table were these vibrant, cool, crazy shoes that he had never seen in his life. And at the time, he was like, cool, I'll, I'll buy five fares, you know, this is great. He bought five fares, um, came to, came back to the UK. He, worked in the, he works in the UK. He wore them out and about in the tubes at work. And every time he wore them, someone would stop him and go, yo, where, where do you get those shoes from, man? I've never seen such shoes. Like, where do you get them from? And after, like, being stopped five or 10 times, he thought, the entrepreneur in him thought, okay, there's... The a business here, right? And uh, he's he's a mate of mine. So he called me up and he said, "What do you think of this?" And and I looked at it and I went, "I don't know what I think of it. They're, they're different. They're unique. They're different, but I I don't know. Like, what are you thinking?" He's saying, "I want to I want to sell shoes. Let's let's do it. Let's sell shoes." Um. So there we we had it. We we said at at that time that was the idea was that we're going to sell shoes. We're going to import the shoes and we're going to sell them because that's what we thought was gonna work at the time. And um, we, we then started speaking to the lady who he had met initially, who is our local Kenyan partner, Julie. And we started speaking to Julie and we said, Julie, where, where are these made? You say they're handmade, so who makes them? He said, she said, you know, we have a workshop in Kibera. And, you know, we were shocked by that because for so people who are listening who don't, they don't know what Kibera is, Kibera is the largest urban slum in Africa. And growing up, we used to hear about Kibera. We used to walk past Kibera or drive past Kibera. You don't really walk in Kenya; it's too dangerous. Uh, we used to we used to drive past Kibera and be like, "Wow, this it's a huge slum area, and you can see people are struggling. People are hustling every day. It's it's not it's 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 sad, really. It's a sad sight. And we said, how can these cool, unique, high quality shoes be made? In a slum area, it just it didn't make sense to us at the time. And I said to Julie, "Tell us more about this. Tell us more about who makes them. Who are these craftsmen, men and women, and where are they made?" And she she gave us the story, the deep story about these people are are struggling craftsmen who are are trying to make a living out of selling shoes, out of creating unique shoes that are not seen before but they don't have a platform to do it. They don't have the backing. So they try and they struggle and they're hustling. And I said, there's a story behind this. You know, I told my, my partners at the time, I said, guys, there's something bigger than just selling shoes. Like shoes is great and they're unique, that's fine. Um, but there's a story behind this. The people that are making these shoes, they are struggling craftsmen and struggling in the sense they're not given the platform. They're not, given the, they're not empowered to do what they do well. And, you know, typically you'd get brands or other companies that will source and, you know, outsource their production to a a workshop in, in the Kibera Stums, but they wouldn't really tell the story of them. So they're not getting that empowerment or, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate the companies don't pay fair wages uh, because they take it in the sense of, Oh, it's from Kibera, so they, you know, they'll be happy with X. They, they, they don't need a higher, even though their margin on that is way higher. And we wanted to change that entire narrative and 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 place the focus on this brand, this footwear brand, to be two parts. One which is um, about empowering and impacting the local Kibera community and the workshops and the craftsmen that we use, but also the second part is when we started to learn more about the African fabrics that go into the into making these, there were fabrics that were inspired and sourced from all over Africa. You have Ankara and Kente from Ghana and, and West Africa, Nigeria. You had local Kikoi and Maasai clothing uh, fabrics from Kenya. You had tribal fabric from uh, South Africa. Um, and there was another story behind that, which is, showcasing African culture through fabrics, because each fabric has a story behind it. The Maasai fabrics, red and black. There's a reason why it's red and black. It's because the Maasai used to wear red to deter lions when they were chasing and hunting lions back in the day. You know, the tribal South African material, it's tribal. It's from the tribes of South Africa. This is what they showcase on their their clothing. Um, Kikoi is inspired by the coastline. So I'll pause that, but that's kind of what we were trying to incorporate into a brand.
1: And when you, so you get the, you know, the folks, the cobblers uh, who are making shoes the old school way and pay them a fair wage, but then to say, okay, I'm going to push it to, you know, the UK or the US. You do ship these, it looks like, these pieces of art, correct? And how far do you ship them? And most people will say, well, they're already eighty nine dollars selling online. Does that include the shipping? Because of course, DHL gives you a free deal, right? Not. Nah. So talk <laughs> about like
0: how expensive it is to ship. Yeah. Yeah. So um. So when we started the brand, we we thought we were gonna go straight because we were working and living in the UK at the time. The three of us, our three partners, and then we had our local partner Julie, who was taking care of operations here locally. Um, so we said, let's sell in the UK. We set up a website, not knowing anything about e-commerce or marketing. We were learning day by day. And we thought, if we launch a website, we put some money into Facebook advertising, surely we'll sell a thousand of these in a week, right? I mean, that's how it works. Not nah. <laughs> like we, we did work. It, it just didn't work. We, we set up the website. We did everything we could. But you're an unknown brand with 10 followers on Instagram, just launched. No one's going to trust you. No one's going to put $80 or $90 into a pair of shoes. You have no reviews. Who, who are you kind of thing. random brand from Kenya? Um, so we took back everything. We did a Kickstarter campaign, which boosted us, which helped a lot. And Kickstarter, obviously they vet and they verify brands. So people bought through Kickstarter. We took that money. We spent it on website development and everything. And we, we moved focus to, to selling in Kenya. And in Kenya, it blew up because in Kenya you offer cash on delivery. So if you're a scam, you're not going to scam anything because you're gonna, I'm going to pay you when I see the product, right? So that blew us up. In, in Kenya, and we became a recognized brand. Here, we got loads of loads of sales, loads of traction. And then we we started. We said, let's try again in the UK and see what happens. Um, and as soon as we, with the, from day one when we launched in the UK, we started getting sales every day. And that that was promising for us. And then we opened it up to European markets, Australia, and we started getting sales from the U.S. as well, even though we don't proactively advertise in the U.S. yet, um, which I think is a huge opportunity, but that's in plan to come, and we're going to do something big in the U.S. soon, hopefully. But we ship all over. So coming back to your question, um, in U.K., in U.S., in Western markets, free delivery is a known thing, right? You have to offer free delivery. So the 89 dollars or or i don't i don't actually know the conversion i know it's 54 pounds maybe that's around 80 dollars but that that um includes shipping and we pay for it and dhl is not the cheapest way of, of of shipping you know we pay at least 15 to 20 pounds per customer per order to deliver it to the uk us is even more but you're paying and you include that
1: so the payment includes that. I wanna really harp on that because I have shared these shoes and I understand how Africans, black people, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, Namaste, Wahala. It's on Netflix, but it shows- yeah, I've
0: heard about it. Yeah. That,
1: you know, the African and Indian culture, they, they try to marry and the differences of culture, so they think, are so many similarities. I mean, Indian people love to dance. Black people worldwide love to dance. You haven't seen as much gold till you go to an Indian wedding um, or if you go to, you know, (laughs) maybe the club on a Friday night worldwide if there's a rapper in town or, you know, or or just folks who are trying to sign. So there's so many similarities in the the cultures in Africa have been intertwined. But the one thing that really, besides, you know, the food being spicy that similarities are folks always want to negotiate the price. They always, everything is always too much. If it was a dollar. So how have you dealt with that? Because that's difficult to deal with as an
0: owner. Uh, I'm telling you, I mean, you, you hit that in there. Like it's um, when we launched the brand initially, we didn't, we weren't really promoting the website side of things for that very reason, because people wanted to talk to a human and people wanted to, discuss things with this human on the other side uh, about buying this pair of shoes you know how fast can you deliver what styles do you have what sizes do you have available well we're made to order so any size any style you want you, we can get it done okay how much is that the best if i buy two how much will that cost me and so i was doing the customer services and you know i was dealing with 100 to 200 queries a day of how much, uh, how fast can you deliver? What size do you have available? I was just going nuts over answering this stuff. And I said to the guys, guys, we need a forced behavior here. I can't be converting like it's fun. I'm getting to know my customer. i getting to know what worries them and what answers they need before purchasing because all that knowledge, I took it and built it into the website. And so I said, guys, we need to launch our website and we need to force traffic through that website and just say, sorry, we're not taking uh, uh, orders over an Instagram direct message anymore. It's just not happening. And that worked. You know, it's um, the culture here is changing. Um, it's less of that. I need to speak to someone and, and argue. Uh, we'll still get people who land on the website and then get to see a WhatsApp icon to chat with us. And, thank God now I have a customer services person who handles the queries, but I monitor it. So I, I, I just laugh every time I see it, but someone will come from the website uh, message and go, how much? And I lose my shit. When I see that, <laughs> It's like, come on, man, you, you've just seen it on the website. <laughs> like you've just come from there. Like, you know how much it is, but it's about them wanting to talk to someone and then say, Oh, that's too much can you do it lower? And when I was doing it, you know, I'm, I'm the owner of the business. So when I was doing it, if someone asked me, I would always give a discount. Cause I feel bad. I would go, all right, cool. I'll do free delivery or I'll do a hundred shillings off. And it's a hundred shillings, which is like a dollar, which for them would be like, wow, great. Like I'll, I'll buy it.
1: <laughs> and do they have to come to Kibera or is there a mall inside, you know, one of the malls or many of the malls that sell your shoes?
0: Yeah, we're we're starting to stock in different uh, shops, big supermarkets out here, um, mostly online. But you know, like if um, and I'm and starting to do this with a couple of tourist companies, agencies where they want to give their clients the Kibera experience, and you know, and show the artisanal and craftsmen and, and how that culture and that side of Kenya. So we're creating these experiences together and. We're going to, it's like a tour of an hour or two where we take you into Kibera, into the heart of Kibera, where we are just one workshop from loads of different workshops that do so many different things. Um, so uh, they can do that. They can reach out to me and I'll be happy to show them around that and give them that experience. Otherwise, yeah, shopping online or, or you know, we'll just deliver to their hotel.
1: And, and you know, I want to get into the um, community give back because you have a community give back inside of your company. But I ask all my guests, you know, with the success that you're having and the best is yet to come so that you're going to have, what is your community give back that you are doing now or that you plan for in the future?
0: Oh, it's, it's a really good question, um, especially for a brand that claims to to build a brand based on that. Um, look, we, we didn't want to go down the, typical route where brands say we give x percent of our sale to this community because that can just mean anything right and and we wanted to do it in a different way that actually has an impact so the biggest way i would say is by keeping our brand promise of um keeping the handmade uh side of the business and using or only employing craftsmen from the Kibera communities to create our footwear, keeping that as we scale, like from a business perspective, to scale a brand, a handmade brand or a brand in general, you need to have thousands and thousands of units ready to go. Um, we can go to China, I can send them a pair of shoes to China and they'll replicate the whole thing and I'll probably get it cheaper than what I, what I pay now uh, for, to my craftsmen, but I will never do that and, and that will go away from the brand. Uh, so one side is the people, the craftsmen that we employ. We're going to continue to employ more and more, and we we employ we target specifically youth from from the Kibera slum that are typically kind of losing their way. Let's say like the the culture and 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 where they're from in the slums. They're they're hardcore, you know. They get they get up to mischief because it's it's a tough time for them. Right. And we, we know these guys and we, we get recommendations of who they are. And then we bring them into into the workshop environment and we train them and we show them that there's a lot more to life. There's more responsibility to life than just getting up to mischief, you know, and doing nothing with your with your life. And, and then they earn money the legit way and they, they feel more empowered. And then they actually we're getting people who are typically in that zone now work for us for for a good couple of years who are now encouraging their friends. To not go into that side of the of the slums and you know go into that fast. um so keeping that community impact long story short keeping that community impact at, at, at the core of what we do through the craftsmen but also through small things like the shoe bags that we give all our shoes in we give a free shoe bag by the way uh with every pair that you buy and it's an african shoe bag now again i could i could get this made very cheaply from any company really any big factory but I know a workshop in Kibera, a, a nice young lady that does this and relies on on this on, on our shoe bags for a lot of her income and her day to day so I will never I will never stop um, using her workshop to make my shoe bags uh, and you know the shoelaces that we, we buy we can buy and buy it from China for a tenth of the price again, but I know a workshop in Kibera that, that sells shoelaces and and probably relies on a lot of that income that I provide them so Keeping throughout my supply chain, keeping local community sourcing and impact through that. And then um, the craftsmen giving them stable income. So when business is down, I, I'm not going to reduce the orders. So in Kenya and the way brands are here and the way you work with the Kibera communities, it's on a per shoe model. You, can't, you don't pay them a salary. It's a contract per shoe. So for them, typically when brands are not doing well, they get no orders and then they're really, they are literally back on the streets again trying to hustle and struggle for, for orders. And I've guaranteed my guys um, uh, a number of orders per day. So they know in their head, at the minimum, they're going to be getting this. Because if I don't have orders from customers, I'm going to build stock. I'm going to try new styles. I'm going to build. I'm going to just make shoes so that they have the orders. So these are the things I'm building into our brand promise to keep that community impact.
1: And I love that because you also setting your brand up to be a, especially for $35, um, if you come to Kenya, a luxury brand versus, you know, anybody you, I mean, no, no gift to anybody because China's getting their hustle on. We love the hustlers as entrepreneurs. But this is if you, Ferragamo's not going to China to get their shoes made because it's Ferragamo, you, and you, I, I, we'd be mad if our Ferragamos were made in China because it would really show, you know, for the mass quantity. It's it's supposed to be like a Bugatti, you guys. Everybody can't wear these, you know. Everyone can't drive these. So um, I love that part of it. It's a luxury shoe brand, and I know I will have a pair on whether I have a trip planned for Kenya. I don't know if I can wait that long and I might just have to order it, but I I would love to like literally get fitted and and document that experience because you're doing something that they're gonna write about in history books. And when I think about what you're doing, giving folks a platform to show their greatness, which is kind of a Nipsey Hussle quote because folks knew they were great, but they didn't have a platform to explain it. You're giving the cobbler, you're, you're creating cobblers and putting people in other positions when will you write your book on how you form this with your team members so people can see the blueprint and say, Wow, I think I could do that too by reading your story.
0: Yeah, I um I'm not a good writer, but um has, I I love to say the story. I love to tell the story and, and look we're we're nowhere near where we wanna be. Um we've you know, we've done Touchwood done well enough to be able to create a brand that i now focus full time on where traditionally for the last three years i've been you know i have had jobs i'm a management consultant by background so i've had corporate jobs and i was running Kitukali, you know in the evenings between 8 p.m and midnight every day uh, in uk and so i'm lucky enough to th- that now the brand is in a state that I'm, i i can see the growth potential and i said I have to focus on this thing full time, and I have to take it on and grow it. Um, but there's so much to do still. There's so much to 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 accomplish for us to say we've made it. You know, we've done well for ourselves, um, and we're doing the right things. But we've we've made so many mistakes, uh, Kellen. Don't get me wrong. Like through the years, we've blown money into the most ridiculous things. That looking back, we would have been way better off not spending that money because if if we had known but we're learning these things and when i come across entrepreneurs in my journey now local kenyan entrepreneurs especially that are trying to do a similar thing that are building their businesses i i just offer my advice and i offer what we've done wrong um what we've what we've learned and what we what we want to achieve and just just spread the word spread the story that it's possible guys like you need to find a unique product. You need to have a story, but you don't just need to have a story. You need to actually impact lives, and then all of that coming together will 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 hopefully give you a successful business.
1: Well, no, that's that's awesome. Now, Tibet, being such a tough, um, you know, having a tough reputation, I find beauty and and all things, and I and I love my time being there. Even even the mud, getting my 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 feet in the mud, literally. Do you? Do you have a path to where you can go to kibera anytime you want, or do you need to find somebody still who's from there and say, "Hey, I'm coming, Meet me there like I did because you don't go into anybody's hood around the world without at least knowing somebody getting that path?
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think initially I needed that I needed that person to be there and 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 you know, at least come with me because um as you as you kind of could tell like being being indian or being a mzungu for, for as well and going into that kibera community it's it's tough they um they have a, an assumption about you and who you are or who you could be they think um you have lots of money so you could be a target um uh they think you have attitude maybe i don't know but like they have an assumption about people because they don't haven't really seen outside of that kibera community um but but I think they started to get so especially where our little our workshop is uh, in that. See, Kibera is huge. Kibera is like a small little town in itself. Um, uh, you can't go into Kibera, the the deep like slum area. you just, you just can't. It's very dangerous, and they advise you not to go there. So our workshop is is in a in a market area like that is known for workshops and craftsmen and you know different. Things, products and stuff textiles and so our workshop is there so I have no issues now going in there and I think people have seen me quite a few times in there now so they know who I am and uh, the guy who manages our workshop in that area is a well-known guy in that market so when they see me with him they know I'm I'm a safe guy, you know, I'm a cool guy and I and I don't have any attitude. You know, I, I mix with the locals, but I, I just I speak Swahili. The main thing is if you speak Swahili, they know you're you're a local. You're not a you're not a Mzungu. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. And you know, we could get into all the cultural, um how it is being Indian in Kenya. I know people wanna know that. But I almost want to save that for another time. I know that's itching for people, especially Americans, Like because Americans, some of them, you know, especially if you're lighter skin, can be looked. We Our camera guy, when we went, was called a Mzungu. And he's like, I'm not Mzungu! I'm not, you know, but you, you, you are, you know, because you, just because you know, you know, Jumbo or Satisana doesn't mean that you are from here you know kush is, is from there he knows the language he grew up there he, he he knows the food as well as knowing his um you know he speaks four different languages correct me if i'm wrong kush but you know
0: yeah four, kind of maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe five or, or four kind of <laughs> but but you know there, there's a difference but i want to take this story offline because i want you guys to go buy these shoes those of you who listen go buy the shoes. Those of you were gaining traction on those who do visual, but look at the shoes throughout this video. I want you to go buy these shoes, not because you're helping Africa. Africa the only help you can do is give your money. Um, aid is dead. This is about business and you will be the most stylish person at your next mixer when things open up and they see your shoes and you're like, whoa, the attention that I got, thank you, Kush. I'm coming back for more. So I thank you for coming on, brother. Let's take this offline because there's some things I want to say to you that I don't want the public to know yet. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and lox, fish and grits be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff join in the conversation and discover more content